from this passage of scripture, I want you to note that they were in a storm simply because they had obeyed Jesus. They, they, Jesus had insisted that they get into a boat and go to the other side of the lake. But a storm in the middle of the lake arose and they were terrified. You would think that if you obeyed Jesus' voice that the seas would be calm. After all, you are listening and you are obeying and isn't that what we're supposed to be doing as doing as followers of Jesus? So if we're obeying God, shouldn't the sea, shouldn't our lives be just calm? But no, it's not like that. And I think each of us understand that point, that obeying Jesus does not mean that there will be smooth sailing. It actually means that our lives will be full of adventure, full of opportunities, full of experiences that will prove that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the one. As the disciples said in verse 33, you really are the son of God. How many times have you been in a storm? How many times have you obeyed Jesus' voice and then things have gone topsy-turvy? Suddenly you've faced opposition. Well, where did that come from? Suddenly there's a misrepresentation of who you are you get retrenched, you have bills that suddenly come from nowhere, they're unexpected, you get transferred into a section at work that you really do not want to be in, but you have followed Jesus into that area and you're facing difficulties. So just because it's difficult does not mean that it's not part of your destiny. God wants to do something in you so that he can work through you in times to come. It might be changing, challenging, a difficult season. It could be filled with pain. But in the middle of the lake where the disciples were, Jesus came walking on the water. There are other circumstances or stories that we read in the Bible. One of my favourites, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were following Jesus. They were committed wholeheartedly to the cause of God. But they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Were they in God's will? Absolutely. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. That would have been terrifying. Joseph was thrown into a pit and later sold as a slave. Paul found himself in jail. And yet all were in the will of God. Relook at your circumstances. Are you in the will of God? Your storm may be the very method that God is using to move your life towards purpose and destiny. In the midst of the storm, though, they saw Jesus, but it was in a form that they didn't recognise. Do you know that when we follow Jesus, it's not always going to look the same. This is when the familiar becomes unfamiliar. We're feeling awkward because we're in a storm and, and we're not really sure where Jesus is. But we're hoping that in some space that he, t he arrives. 
Ben, can you pop that picture of Jesus in the snow? You may or may not have seen this before, but it was a, a picture that was taken by, by a man that was wondering where Jesus was in the midst of his life. And he took a photo out in the snow. And when he developed it, he found that he could see Jesus. Can you see Jesus? No? Well, I'm not even going to try and explain it from here. <laughs> but let me tell you, sometimes the unfamiliar is a place where Jesus wants to show up in your life. Are you looking for him? So the disciples were in a boat without Jesus. However, they were obeying Jesus. But sometimes in life, we get stuck in a boat without Jesus. And it's actually a boat of our own making. I wonder whether or not you recognise that you're in a boat and you're in a storm and you actually have some ability to stop that storm simply by getting out of that boat. When Joel was in year 11, uh, it, it was a difficult year, year 10 and year 11 at school for Joel because he was um, whopping school and um, the school would ring me and say, well, Joel hasn't turned up and then I'd have to go and find him. And you know what? This is a whole other story, but the Holy Spirit always told me where he was. Oh, yeah. I'd just turn up. I'd knock on the door and I'd say, is Joel here? And like Joel's like, Mum, who told you I was here? Holy Spirit. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole nother story. And, you know, wonderful the way God just watches over our family. Um, but anyway, so he was walking school. He didn't want to go. He had another focus in his life. And he decided that he would like to go to TAFE to do year 11 and 12 there. And you would think that when you're 16 that you would still be listening to your parents. However, he had his mind set on going to TAFE. It would give him more freedom. He would uh, be with the mature age st students. And uh, really, it, to him, it looked like a wonderful alternative to going to school five days a week and having homework. So um, much against what we wanted for him. We wanted him to finish year 12 at school. I mean, remember, he's 16. Um, we enrolled him at TAFE and he got into the course and so he started. And he thought it was wonderful. You didn't have to wear a uniform. You just turned up and, you know, Mum, even if you don't turn up to class, like, no one asks where you are. Like, yeah, that's because you have to be responsible for your own learning. Like, these are not teachers that are, are going to demand that you were here and nobody's going to be wanting a note from me if you miss a class. So he was just enjoying it. However, about three weeks in, he wasn't enjoying it as much because there weren't the friends. It wasn't as exciting as he thought it may have been. And there weren't those boundaries around his life that actually kept him on track with his study. And so we had a bit of a chat about it. And I said, you know, Joel, you can go back to school. You, you can go back. It's three weeks. It's like it 
really won't matter. And he's like, no, no, I've made my decision. I'm staying. I'm not enjoying it, but I'm staying. And it's like, why are you staying? He said, because people will talk. It'll be just really embarrassing going back to school because I made such a big deal of it leaving and uh, it'll just be really, really hard. And I just remember saying to him, you know what, Joel? You might be the talk of the class. I don't think the talk of the school. Like, really, you're not that amazing. Um, <laughs> for a day. And if there's nothing happening in, you know, your class, maybe a week. But at the end of that first week, no one will be even bothering about the fact that you're back. You'll be forgotten and years to come, you will look back and you will be glad that you went back to school and no one will even ever remember. So you are stopping changing what you would prefer to do now simply because of what other people think. He decided, thankfully, to go back to school and, uh, you know, I think he was the talk for probably half a day because we all know that people are more interested in themselves than in other people's stories anyway. But are you stuck in a boat that you put yourself in? Have you got, like, pride around that as to why you won't get out of that boat? Are you in a relationship and you just know that it's the wrong relationship? Are you in a financial agreement with somebody that you just know is the wrong decision to make? Are you somewhere that you have placed yourself, it seemed like a really good idea at the time, it seemed as though there was going to be more freedom, but it has actually become rocky and you know that it's been of your own making. Do you know, as I said to Joel, getting out of that decision and simply going and doing what you know is the right thing to do, if people talk, well, people talk, but you will be back on the right path that you need to be. I encourage you today that if that's you and you are in, let's say, the wrong boat, if you are in the wrong situation and you are heading south and you know that you need to be turning around and you need to get out of where you are, you're mixing with the wrong crowd, you're doing things that seemed good at first but now it's gone just too far, I encourage you to get out of that situation and put your eyes back on Jesus and follow him. He will lead you towards safety. He will lead you towards security. Go where Jesus is. Do you know, when Peter got out of the boat, I believe that when he began to sink, it was not the absence of faith. This was a storm, remember? It, the, the waves and the wind, it was howling. For him to get out of the boat, don't tell me he didn't have faith. He was looking at Jesus. It wasn't a lack of faith. He began to sink because he lost his focus on Jesus. And that can happen to each and every one of us. The enemy, the enemy of our souls, wants to dilute, distract, bring a detour, change our focus from Jesus. Listen, it's not today. We don't need more faith. I think there's a lot of faith in this room today. 
What we need is focus, to actually focus on Jesus and where he wants us to go. Have you lost your focus? Are you still doing things for God, but in actual fact, you've just lost your focus? A number of years ago, I lost my, my focus. Um, as many of you know, I'm a runner. And I was running up um, McCaffrey Drive and then I always took a left turn down towards the John Hunter Hospital. Now, that's a very busy road for anybody that knows the area. I'd always run that. I had run that path a hundred times. And this day, as I was running, um, I closed my eyes because I was praying. I knew the path. I, I knew it. Sounds really silly now, like as you're running, that you're closing your eyes. Like, I could have run into somebody, but there was no one on the path anyway when I was there that early. And uh, I was praying, and suddenly I hit a pole. <laughs> oh, yes. It was... I hadn't run straight. I had just begun to veer off just a little. Do you know you only have to veer off a little from where you need to be and it will take you in a whole another direction. And so I hit that pole so hard. I hit the pole, my glasses flew off my head and I, let me tell you, I opened my eyes very quickly. Um, and it just about knocked me over. Well, do you know, I was so embarrassed. I thought, Everybody on this road going to work would have seen me. Like, how awful is that? Anyway, so do you know what I just did? I just got up and kept running on my path. And then when I got to where I always turned around, I should have actually run to the hospital to see whether or not I'd had concussion. But then I turned back and I ran and I kept touching my head. And I had this egg on my head like you would not believe. By the time I'd gotten home, like my eye was starting to change colour as well. And it was just, it was awful. And that was because I was actually doing something that as Christians, we should be praying. So why wasn't I protected in all of that? Why, why wasn't there some angel that stopped me from running into a pole? It was because, you know, we are expected to keep our eyes on Jesus and keep running or walking or whatever we're doing towards Jesus without any other focus. Now, I thank God for that pole. I may have run onto the road. It might have been a whole, whole lot... Um, different you know that that particular time was pretty awful because it was about a week before Christmas and I hadn't done the Christmas shopping and so going to the um, shopping centre with a great big egg on your head with a black eye that just sort of kept running you know how a bruise can sort of just keep running down your face and uh, so as I was at the cash register and I'd be paying for things you know people would look and then look away and kids would just stare, like, you know, look at me. And, you know, I f suddenly I felt so... I, th I felt judged. And it was awful because when Marty was with me, they'd look at Marty and then they'd look at me. <laughs> it was an experience I learned many, many things from. But we've got to keep our focus. We've got to keep our eyes open. 
The enemy is working hard to destroy our focus on Jesus. Do you know, he doesn't care if you've got faith. He doesn't care if you do all the things that we do. He just wants us to lose focus, just to veer off, just a fraction, just a fraction this week or this month or this year, and just a fraction more the next year, just a fraction more, so that in five years' time, you are just heading, you know, really in a different direction away from God. How does he do that? He gets us to focus on the small things. In Matthew 6, 31 to 33, it says, So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You know, in the message translation, it says people who don't know God and the way he works and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Do you know the genius is in the order? If we seek him, everything else will fall into place. Do you know, I think that we get so concerned about, what, what's that acronym? It's the fear of missing out. I think I've got a little bit of that. You know, sorry? FOMO. That's it. Fear of missing out. Where you sort of think, oh, I want to be involved in that because that looks like fun. I want to do this. I want to be there. I want to hear. Yeah, I want to do all these things because I don't want to miss out. Like if I don't include all of these things, my life is just going to be ordinary. It's just going to be dull. But in actual fact, what we are doing is we are gathering more and more things that need our time, need our commitment, and it just takes our focus just a degree of the time that we give God. We can be so worried about Instagram and social media and the comments of others. Do you know, I'm on Facebook and I am constantly amazed at how fast, like half an hour can go when you're just scrolling through what other people are doing. It's a I think, oh, wow, they've just had a birthday. Oh, they're on a holiday. Isn't that great? You know, they've, uh, they've had their grandchildren sleep over. They're, they're having an ice cream at the beach. Oh, look at that dinner that they've just had last night. That looks delicious. Yeah. And before you know it, half an hour's gone. And really, what have you filled your mind with? Well, it's, it's a little bit interesting and I'm not sort of against any of that. But what I'm saying is it can take so much time. And how much more when we are scrolling through Facebook and looking at other people's lives and we have people in the same room as us, uh, i.e. family, that are actually missing out on face-to-face -face conversations because we are so interested, you know, sort of, 
you know, making sure that we can see the size of that ice cream that our friend's having. Like, really? We can focus on small things and it can take our focus of God. In fact, you know, I, I sometimes wonder about Facebook because I think, you know, like you can almost have envy about other people's lives and it's not even true. It's, all, it's like you can get all worked up about something and like you hear later from someone else, oh, well, it really wasn't like that at all, but, you know, like what else do you put out on Facebook? You, you know, you sort of like rev it up a bit. Secondly, we can focus on too many things. It's not that they're bad things. It's just that there's too many. If the devil can't make you bad, I think he'll make you busy. Because whilst you're busy and you're distracted, then uh, you won't have time for eternal values. Anyone got Netflix? Don't, don't raise your hand. Do you know it is so easy to binge on TV series on Netflix? So easy to do that. You just start and think, oh my goodness, that looks interesting. And then when you flick over, you see, oh, there's five seasons. Oh, okay, well, that... that looks all right and then you start and of course the first one's always the clincher and you think I wouldn't mind watching the second and the third and suddenly you are glued to the TV now I'm not saying you are glued to the TV I'm saying I have been glued to the TV I am amazed at what I can't stop watching and I think just one more episode of this series. And I'm going to bed. Look, I, am, I go to bed early, but I have, I have gone to bed like 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. I've watched five in a row because I think I just need to know what's going to happen. <laughs> and when I go to bed, all I have watched, I'm not saying it's trash, but what I've watched hasn't added anything to uh, who I am or what I'm doing in life. And, uh, you know, really, I'm not the type of person to be having a conversation with you about a TV series. So it's sort of like it's, it's one of those things that take our time. I think bucket lists have also become something that's a distraction. Now, once again, I'm, I'm not sort of putting this out to you like you have a problem with a bucket list. I'm saying, do you know what? I love a bucket list. I'm a bucket list person and I have such a long list of things that may seem very ordinary to you, but I just want to do it. And what that does is if I am fitting all of those things into my life, once again, things of eternal value just go further down the list and sometimes will never be looked at because I am having way too much fun. Stuff is so much fun, isn't it? We can gather so much stuff, but souls are forever. Do you know, in Matthew 22, just before I read this, do you know at this particular time there were 613 laws that um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees needed to follow? 613 laws. Could you imagine if we had to live according to 613 laws? Some of us can't even keep the speed limit, you know, let alone the 612 others. Yeah, so 630, like imagine just the weight of having to do that. 
So let's read it. It says one of their religious scholars spoke for them, posing a question they hoped would show him up. Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? Which law out of the 613? They're trying to trip him up. And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. But there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. Do you know there's 613 laws at the time and Jesus is saying there's two that you need to look out for. Just do two. Just do two. 611, push to the side. If you do the two, then you'll cover everything else that's important. Love God and love others. Where is your focus? If we are focusing on Jesus and keeping our eyes on him, we are loving God and we are loving other people. That's what we have been called to do. And we can love other people through a whole lot of different means, through doing your bucket list with them. or what. Like, it doesn't mean that life becomes dull. It just means that we become more specific because we recognise that it's important that we actually keep our eyes set on eternal values. Do you know, this focus on too many things, if you haven't got time to read your Bible every day, then you're too busy. You're, you're too busy because... The Bible is the word of God. It speaks to us about his love, his grace, his heart for his people. It, it gives us the wisdom that we need to be able to stay on track and to be focused. You know, I, truly, you know, I'm just putting this out there, but I just think that if we're not reading the Bible and just having time to actually allow it to soak into our hearts, then maybe there's some things that we need to look at in our day, in our week, that need to be shifted so that we get God in. Yeah, I'm a photographer. I'm not a photographer. I have a hobby as a, with my camera. There, that's it. That was about, I'm a photographer. Oh, that's just a no, I have a hobby with my camera. And uh, do you know... I take like 50 photos and there's probably three that are any good. Lots of them are out of focus, they're just not quite right. Do you know a photo that isn't in focus is of no value whatsoever? No value. And I think that if we um, are not spending time with God daily, I think our lives become fuzzy and out of focus or Jesus becomes out of focus for our lives. I, um, many of you would know, I work at the Mater and uh, when I'm there I start at 7.30 in the morning and uh, I've also said that I'm a runner and so every morning I run and uh, so by the time you wake up, you go for a run, you have your shower and I get all sorted, you know, like getting to the mother and finding a car park is another thing. Uh, the 7.30 in the morning, sometimes that can be, you know, a bit of a squeeze. 
But I was finding that if I didn't spend time with God in the morning, then it just didn't happen. By the time I got home, there were so many other things that caught my attention that I needed to do. And so sitting down, reading my devotional, doing something like that was just... um, I just constantly didn't do it. And, uh, and, you know, the devil gets in your ear, you know, like, oh, what sort of Christian are you? Like, you don't even read your Bible now. Like, it's like you're just catching it on the run. Like, really, when are you actually sort of meditating on what the word is? You're living life according to what you, you see in your own eyes rather than what God's word is telling you to do. And so I thought, okay, well, this means I'm going to have to stop running in the morning because I haven't got time to read the Bible and to run and to do everything else I need to start at 7.30. And, uh, you know, but I thought running is so much a part of me. If I, if I miss that, you know, I, I'm just going to be absolutely grumpy to live with. You know, like there's going to be psycho Margot because that's sort of my way of... Um, of just um, processing different things that I need to process and de-stress. Like, yes, even in the morning I do that. And uh, so I thought, how can I do both? Well, there's only one option, to set the alarm earlier. Because it needs to be in my life, it's a priority. And so the alarm goes off at five o'clock and I can fit everything in comfortably that I need to do. But look, I only say that to, to, to encourage you. Don't just hope that you are going to get time to spend with God each and every day, that it's just going to work, that you've got an extra 15 minutes in your day and wow, I wasn't expecting that, so I'm going to sit on the lounge and I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to pray. That never, ever, ever happens. You have to schedule it. You have to make it a priority. You have to put it in the same way that you put in a meal. It's as much as you need to eat, you actually need to feed on what the Word of God says if you are going to keep your focus on Him. If you are not going to be distracted by the storms of life, If your focus isn't on him, then you'll be, you'll be looking around at other things. You'll be thinking about the pain that you're in. You'll be thinking about the injustice that's being done. You'll be thinking about what you're missing out on or how hard you're working or this, that relationship difficulty. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, remember the genius is in the order. Seek him and other things will fall into place. Okay, so another area is that um, we focus on other people. Can you just pop that uh, photo up for me, please, Ben? You know, Michael Phelps holds the record for the most Olympic medals. He's won 28, 23 gold. And uh, this photo captures what it must feel like to be Michael Phelps' um, rival. This is South African swimmer Chad Likos and uh, he's not, look where Michael Phelps, the gold medal winner, is looking straight ahead. Look where Chad is looking. Can we just pop the other photo up? He's looking at Michael Phelps. What a photo. I think that's what we do sometimes in life. 
we're looking to the other lane to see what other people are doing, where we just need to keep our face forward, focusing on where we're going and what God is doing in our life. You know, when we focus on others and compare ourselves with others, we open the door to jealousy, to envy, anger and even murder. Cain and Abel are good examples of that. Joseph's brothers plotted to kill Joseph out of their envy and anger. When we're comparing ourselves with others, we never come up on top because we are comparing the worst that we know about ourselves with the best that we see in other people. And so therefore that just plays on us and we lose focus on the very giftings and the abilities that God has placed in our lives. We need to keep our eyes set on him. And fourthly, we can focus on old things. I'm not talking about old things as in, you know, the negative things that have happened in life. Yes, I, I think that we can definitely do that and that can definitely become a problem. But the enemy of our next step can be our last step. And what I mean by that is that our last greatest victory can be the stumbling stone that keeps us from moving forward because we think that we'd never have anything like that happen again, that that was so amazing that we keep talking about the, the testimonies of God in the past and it's like, oh, when he did this and when he did that and he was so good like 25 years ago. And look, even I've been speaking to you about when the Holy Spirit was telling me where Joel was, it, that was when he was 16, okay, so 16 years ago, and wasn't that amazing? But, you know, if I keep focusing on what God has done for me in the past, then I am not going to be looking forward to see all that he is wanting to do for me in the future. The best days are ahead. The, um, the, the path of the righteous, I love this scripture, the path of the righteous leads upward and onward. That's in Proverbs 4. The path of the righteous lead onward and upward. Our lives are filled with God's blessing and with God's enrichment, with his promises. Remember, Jesus saved the best wine to last at the wedding. He's not a God of the you know, once only or the things that happen when we're young or what he is the God that says it doesn't matter what age you are, if you keep focusing on me, you will have testimonies that will happen weekly, daily, yearly. You will have stories to tell of my goodness that will just keep coming and coming. So stop looking at the past. Yes, that's wonderful. Remind yourself that I've done it in the past, but use it as, as the vehicle to keep you focused on what's up ahead in the future. God is always changing us from glory to glory. Every day is a new glory. Keep looking forward. Can I just get the band to come, please? Philippians 3, verse 12 to 21 says... In the message, it says, I'm not saying that I have all this together, that I have made, but I am well on my way 
reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself as an expert on all this, but I've got my eye on the goal, where God is, beckoning us on onward to Jesus. I'm often running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running this same course, headed for the same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times, sadly. I'm having to do it again. All they want is Easy Street. They hate Christ's cross. But Easy Street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belchers are their praise. All they can think of is their appetites. But there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. We're waiting for the arrival of the Saviour, the Master and Jesus Christ who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. He will make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him. I hope you hear the encouragement in that translation. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Now you've heard the message. What's your response? Is it just, oh, that was a good reminder? I believe the Holy Spirit just wants us to respond. Are you in a boat that you need to get out of so that you can live for God? Friends, don't just meditate on that for 2018. Do something about that this week. If you're in something that you know God doesn't want you involved in, ask him to give you wisdom and he will give it to you liberally. Are you focusing on the small things or too many things, on other people or old things? Whatever it might be, there's God's power, his enabling power that wants to get you on track. Do you know, God's focus is never off you, never. His gaze is constantly upon your life. Just read Psalm 139 for extra clarity on all of that and meditate on it. But I want to just encourage you that God's gaze, his love, his grace is for you. And if you are off track, if your lens has become fuzzy, if it's a bit blurry and you can't quite make out where Jesus is in your life, come to him. Ask him to give you a fresh vision. Ask him to give you clear vision so that you can walk wholeheartedly with him. Friends, these are the last days and I believe the enemy is trying his hardest to get Christians just to 
put their focus in another area. Oh, it's a good focus. It's it's a good area. It's not sinful. It's a, but just a degree. And when you're comfortable there, it'll be another degree. And it'll be another. And suddenly you're not doing the things that you used to do. He wants to get you off track. But we have a God that is there to give you the strength to be able to stay on track. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word to our hearts. And Lord, I thank you for your grace. Lord, we all get it wrong. God, we are humans, Lord, that think that we know what's best. God, I thank you that when we come to you, and Lord, when we we say that we're sorry, Lord, that you forgive us and that you strengthen us. And Lord, I pray that this message of focus will challenge and correct and assist your people today. In Jesus' name, amen.